Welcome to GWC, podcast number 324, recorded May 12th, 2012. In this episode, we kick off a new arc, taking a look at some media that was important to us in our formative years. Up this week, Audra's pick, Flight of the Navigator. But first, your hosts, three unrepentant sci-fi geeks. I'm Chuck Cage. And one day you end up a big evil, you know, crap ass. And with me, Audra Hester. If I had a nickel for every time I got boned at the Eye of Jupiter, man. And Sean O'Hara. <laughs> I shall fart in the future. Our mission, enjoy new science fiction, fantasy, and other cool stuff every week and share the experience with you. Oh yeah, and have some fun in the process. GWC is brought to you largely by the generosity of listeners like you. It's your donations that keep us going. For more information on how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. And the fine folks at audible.com. Visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash watercooler for your free audiobook. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions, too. So if you have something to say or, hey, you could introduce us to something new, don't just holler at your MP3 player. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229, extension 701. And leave us a voicemail for inclusion in a future show. Better yet, you can join the GWC community, a group widely recognized as the friendliest people in sci-fi, and watching, reading, and enjoying all kinds of cool stuff 24-7 over on galacticwatercooler.com, our website, blog, and forum. GWC is a spoiler-free podcast, and we define spoilers as definitive information regarding material not yet released in the United States or its country of origin. In short, if it's out, it's fair game. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. What's going on? Back in the room again. It's nice, not like nasty hot yet. No, no, it's, well, you know. <laughs> Despite the 27 monitors all blasting radiation at us. <laughs> That's true. How Chuck rolls. It is, it is. It is how it works. <laughs> they're all important, though. I mean, you know, they're in use. <laughs> I come up here the other day, Chuck's just sitting here naked with, like, fans all over. <laughs> <laughs> Basking, I'm getting a tan from the monitor yeah, radiation. Ah. You know. <laughs> no UV coming from them, as you can tell from my pasty white complexion. Yeah, which is tough to do in Texas. <laughs> it's tough true. to do. You step outside I'm for 10, it, 20 man. minutes. It's tough for me. <laughs> I got it. I got it wired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all right. Not an issue. Yeah. Uh, last week when I, or I was a week. Yeah. The last time we did our training session with Mitch, uh-huh. um, I was like working really hard in this um like kettlebell exercise. Oh, I was a bitch. I saw you doing it. Yeah. He's like, he's like, okay, I want you to stop for a minute and take a couple of deep breaths, you know? And I'm like, how could you tell, you know? And you're flushed. With pain. <laughs> I know. I was like, could you, could you like hear me breathing differently or something? Cause I, I was like, how could you even know <laughs> no, that? Your face is crimson. And he's like, yeah. well, he's like, because of the, the tone of, you know, the fairness of your skin, it's pretty easy to tell when you're, <laughs> uh-huh. when you're working hard. And he, he's like, it went from like red to purple and then like up your ears and everything. So I figured maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> I was like, stop for a moment. I had no yeah. idea. I was that transparent. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm just not a fantastic white. liar either. I'm, I'm like, uh, <laughs> no, she's not. She's a she's a really crappy liar. Oh god, it's awesome. I was. I'm that like was cool. a ET when they find him in the river and he's like all crusty and white. Like, <laughs> 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 oh, he does make that sound. Oh, like, hey. 
that's not right. You can't do that. No. Yeah. Stop. Stop making that noise. Stop making the sad ET noise. Yeah. It's great. It's I've had kind of a crappy couple of weeks and I've been like turning to music to to fix my problems. Okay, right? what kind? And uh you know, most of them are like spoofs and funny crap now. I, like I, I, I put Incredibad in and just listen to the whole thing, you know, back to back to back, you know, the the uh the Long Island boys, the you guys uh, had no, no idea what I'm talking about, do you? No, but... Okay. Um, Andy, <laughs> the name sounds familiar. Andy Samberg. Oh, right, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. did all his stuff. He did the, you know, like, I'm on a boat. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, released like, that album. That's like it. a boss. And you, I just didn't know what it was called. Jizz in my pants. Yeah, all, all that stuff. <laughs> I love that. I can sing them all now. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, so I've been listening to that here recently, so that, that makes me happy. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining you like singing that around in public, you know. Oh, I, I sing not, like man? a boss at work all the time. Direct workflow, like a boss. You fuck a fish, like a boss. You. So that's where that comes. See, that was actually one of the uh, improv exercises. Oh, really? Go, yeah, at the improv classes, like you go around and and everyone would kind of keep time, and you <laughs> and everyone would go like a boss after what you said. Really? You know where that came from? No. Uh yeah, that's that's the Long Island boys. They they. I wonder if it's the other that. way around because I mean he certainly. Uh, uh, Maybe it was an improv thing that he used in his album. You mean? I don't know. It came out in two thousand nine, which is about the time I, I started hearing the like a boss thing. Yeah, no and it, idea. And on YouTube, it's got eighty two million plays. So <laughs> I'm guessing if it didn't start there, that's where it kind of gained significance. Yeah, he's totally an improv guy. I bet. I bet he. Did that as an improv exercise and then Maybe so, yeah. pulled it in as a yeah. song. My favorite song is the one they did with Akon, with the, uh, uh, which is I Just Had Sex, <laughs> where they're they're like celebrating that they, they had incredible, like, it, it, I don't know. You have to see it. If you, if you guys haven't seen the videos for these. No, these I'm going to are- go get that album because I uh, those guys are super creative. And I always I, thought I it hear. was hilarious, like in the 90s when you had those bands like Color Me Bad and stuff where... Uh, in the videos, it's always these guys who are, they're all sharing their, like, sexual experiences with one another. And they're supposed to have been with women, but it's just funny because all the guys get together and they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, the, and they're all, like, howling and, like, clenching their fists in the sky and throwing their heads back and stuff. And you're like, really? This is this is what guys talk about? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> in this way? <laughs> no. Not so much. Yeah, I I would seriously suggest you guys uh, if you haven't checked that stuff out. It's a couple years old. You can find it everywhere now, <laughs> but it, it's it, it it goes to my happy place, you know. Like, I, but I do sing like a boss at work all the time. You know, remember birthdays <laughs> like a boss. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the direct workflow thing and promote synergy and and everything. Oh, it's great. Promote you know, synergy. Call corporate <laughs> like a boss. Yeah. It's I book a conference room. Yeah, it's it's that kind of stuff, you know. Crap on Deborah's desk, you know, like a ball. It's it's all. It, if you haven't seen it or haven't heard it, it's it's totally worth your time. But yeah, that's that's my happy place. Yeah, you guys ready to do some news? News. And Galactic. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Wanna go first, Sean? I can. I can. I can. I have. Uh, I have news that beats everybody else's news. Ah. Uh, because it's Fast and Furious news. Oh yeah. 
Uh, yeah, well, of course, Fast Five was absolutely off the chain and, and awesome mm-hmm. and, and everything. Have you Damn, seen Damn, I haven't. I really need to. And it's straight. easily available now. Yeah, it's got to... The Rock and, and everything is yeah. awesome. So, I'm and they, check that yeah, out. Yeah, they bring back absolutely everybody and it's, it's seriously cool. Well, Fast Six and they've <laughs> they've greenlit Fast Seven. So, uh, and they're they're already writing that one. But Fast Furious Six is uh, now going to be have a, along with Vin Diesel and Paul Walker and The Rock and Justin Lin uh, directing and all that kind of stuff. Um, they're just going to blend the Expendables and the <laughs> and the Fast and Furious series into the same man. Movie. Well, they're putting Luke Evans, who uh, if you don't remember him, he was in Clash of the Titans and the Immortals, and he's in The Hobbit and all kind of stuff. So serious, <laughs> what? Yeah. I don't know what he does in The Hobbit. I, I don't know. But The um, Rock is a Hobbit. You know him from Exploding Guts, Commando Time, Racetrack, you know, whatever, and, and, and The my- Hobbit. <laughs> Next up, My Little Pony Adventures, <laughs> Strawberry Time. You know. Yeah. Uh, so Luke That's Evans. Awesome. He meets his long lost love, Peaches and Cream. <laughs> Princess Peach. <laughs> I, I saw a truck. Blackberry Lightning. <laughs> no, I, I, saw, I saw a truck on the highway in front of me yesterday that said uh, Peach Lover, like the license plate said Peach Lover. And you're like, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty bold. And then I went, I got it closer and it, it was a Georgia plate. And oh. I was like, I was like, he doesn't know, oh. does he? <laughs> it's, like that, it's like that British guy that was dry, teabagging. Dry, teabagging. <laughs> Remember that? You've seen that. He was driving around. He was on the. We uh, don't know that he was British. It just said. Oh, no. He was, it was, it was like I don't know, man. The dude was wearing the hat and might not want to advertise that invitations <laughs> over here. I don't think you're quite familiar with what you're saying here. Yeah. Well and it's, it's like M F F D V R. It is difficult to get over <laughs> like the bond of the common guy. language. Yeah. We, well I know on WA we talk to a lot of British people and everything and we're like they there's like always a ten minute session of okay, what does this mean over there? Okay, yeah, not going to be saying that. All right, good. Well, yeah, good. I mean, you have you know, to. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, you all, in, it works both ways because the British people ask us to, like, does this mean the same thing over here? No, absolutely not. You don't want to say that. You know, so it's... And there yeah. are words that we have the same word, but it has a lot lighter or yeah. a lot heavier. Yeah. You know, like like words that we would just throw around that for them are, like, really and hardcore versa, cursing. Yeah. And, yeah, and you're yeah. like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know... And here it's like the equivalent of saying shucks, you know, and you're like, okay. Yeah, yeah I remember I was uh, in a chat room one time that was run by a British server, and uh, I had never, this is a long time ago, and somebody typed, they're like, you can't say the word wanker in here, and I'm like, really? And I, I'm like, wanker? And I, I typed it, and it came up like censored. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, <laughs> it doesn't sound that bad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But uh, yeah, um, to get back I to the point. I know what it means now for yeah. anyone who's getting their email Andra, out. Yeah. 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 Please don't, with righteous don't send indignation. me yeah. definitions. Or, yeah. It's like, I knew what it means. Yeah. Uh, so Luke Evans will be uh, in Fast 6, and he will play the head of the rival crew who's trying to pull the same heist as the, they're doing another heist thing because that's now worked. Yeah, it's super worked, and they're doing the, the heist stuff, and they can't, I mean, you can't put Vin Diesel and Paul Walker and The Rock and... Ava Mendez and all the people together now so because which ones that's are the sharks. <laughs> well, I don't know, but if if Vin Diesel isn't on the Jets, I'll be disappointed. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're they're doing that. It's shooting. Uh, I, I guess uh, Evans is still shooting the Hobbit now. 
so we're we're going right from that to Fast Furious. So Fast Furious will be shooting soon. That'd be sweet if in that movie they they were the sharks and jets and they did the song um, G Officer Krupke, except it was Kripke from Big Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> Kripke. <laughs> It's a wobbly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm losing it. You know, I was I was thinking after you were you know we were kidding about emailing you the definition. I was thinking, you know how they have that? Go- let me Google that for you. Yeah. You know they had to have a let me Urban Dictionary that for you. Oh God! Would that not be awesome? Yeah. Somebody needs to do that like yesterday. <laughs> it was really funny because <laughs> I mean, that would I would use that all the time. I'd be, you could send it to your friends that do stuff. I could be like, dude, you have no idea. <laughs> you know, I'd use that on Facebook like six times a day. I'd be like, you really need to look that up before. You, <laughs> I don't think you know what you're saying. I don't saying. think you realize I know, the connotation of there are so many dirty. It's like you can't, you almost can't even keep up with them. You know, <laughs> that's what Urban Dictionary is for. It's like, I know. It's just funny. Like, how can anyone possibly know all that stuff? You know, you're just gonna step in it at some point. Yeah, especially uh, when you're old like us. I was gonna say I do. All, I I have like a triple threat. I can't get anybody name anybody's name right if it's a if it's a proper proper name. No, I, I haven't got it. I forget half the time, and my dyslexia flips them. So even if I know it, I say it wrong. And then three, I'm old, like you guys are saying. I, I don't keep up with the. <laughs> well, we the totally vernacular. speak, Sean. So it doesn't yeah. really matter. So I I pretty much say everything wrong. If if it's coming out of my mouth and there's a name involved, you can just. Nine times out of ten, it's wrong. I, I always had that problem when I was a kid because I read a lot, but I didn't interact with very many people. <laughs> so, you know, you have all these words, all this vocabulary. You that's, know how to pronounce it's it. It's like your it. own secret vocabulary. Like, you know all these words and you understand <laughs> you them, but you've never heard it spoken before. So you go around saying things that, you know, are just completely like epitome. And, <laughs> you know. I, I have... I, I got you all beat because, see, my, my weakness, as you well know, uh, is that if there is a way to say something that that makes it as horrible as it possibly could be. Oh, like the, the phrasing and the tone, yeah, if you can. I will choose that. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. And it's not on purpose. But like, I will try to say, you know, something really simple. And I think I've just picked words that explain that clearly, you know. And what I'm really saying is. You should all go piss off and die, (laughs) you know, and I don't mean to. Well, it's not that bad. It's just like, yeah, he always chooses something that's like really, I don't know, kind of blunt. And it always sounds like if somebody tells Chuck something that he already knows, you know, um, most people would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about or something like that. Right. And Chuck instead will say, like, I'm aware of that. Yeah. And it, it makes you feel like. Yeah, it's a good example because well, I, yeah. I actually meant I'm aware of that. And, and it's just for some reason, and I know it, I, well, I just cannot get it in my head. A lot of times it's the way you say it, too, because you'll say it in command form no matter what you're saying. Oh. And, and I don't mean to. It was kind of funny because, you know, I, we've been around each other for a long yeah, yeah. time. So, like, when new people, like, when I was introducing you to Shannon and everything, you know, we're going home the first day. She's like, so, is he a giant douche on purpose, or is that something he does? I'm like, he doesn't know he's doing it. It's womp, womp. <laughs> And that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like whatever it is I think I'm saying, what I'm really saying is, I'm a giant douche. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's like, it's very frustrating, because you'll meet people, and you'll be like, does that person just not like me, or what the hell? And, you're like, you know, and they're thinking, he's a giant douche. 
Yeah, I, I, I can't like give any details or anything, but I, I've had an experience where I had a student who was like that, where he was not a bad guy, but he just would always say the wrong thing. You You're know, like I'll just treat him like Chuck, and it'll work out well. And it, and it was the last day. It was the last day of class, and he had to hang out for a second and ask a couple questions. And as he was leaving, there were like a couple people left. He kind of poked his head back in. He's like, "Oh, I really liked your class, and I'm sorry I was." A total doucher. <laughs> and then he leaves. I'm like, it's okay. You're fine. <laughs> and I'm like, I actually really like him, you know? Yeah. Because I, I can totally it, understand. Like, he, he's just not a bad guy. And he, he just kind of sticks a bummer, his foot though, in it all the time. It, I, I try really hard. And I, I, I cannot see him coming. You know, I think I can. I think I've got it. <laughs> I got a good I beat don't. on things. And then, I don't. Whoa. And and it's a limitation because there's only so many people who put up with that crap. So it's like, you know, there's always going to be kind of this limitation to who you can interact with. Yeah, well, I'll trade you for getting everybody's name wrong. <laughs> yeah, but see, like GWC, they just they just fix it. They just change it to they that. They just change and then their name. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to explain that. They're like, why? I see you? your point. You know, <laughs> you know they're, they're like, well, just, they changed their name. Yes. Why? Because I'm a dick. You know, no, I, do, I look at stuff and I don't pronounce anything correctly. Nobody sees it that way. That's all right. You know, WI, I pronounced this woman's name wrong for like a month and then she was on the cast and I'm like, crap. She's like, Actually, it's this. I am scared to death. Crap. Uh, that's why. Yeah. See, it's good that we're not doing that many interviews because I am always scared to death that like I have said something in the past because I mean, you know, five, six hundred hours of podcasting. I've I've probably said something about everybody. You know, and oh, you're, yeah. you're like, just like, like what, like three it. years ago when we were talking about Star Star Trek Enterprise and I called uh, Jolene Blaylock, Jolene Booblock. And then I watched Enterprise and I'm like, this is kind of awesome. <laughs> She's kind of awesome, you know, and then I felt like a total I'm dick. always scared though. Like, you're you like know, we might get an interview with her and I'm like, oh, excellent. <laughs> That's then, just great. Sweet. You'd be like, I really enjoyed your work. And she's like, yeah. Didn't you call me Boomlock back about? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah. That's all right. I it's said, Grimlock's uh, girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that makes up for it right there. You totally redeemed it all in one. Grimlock joke. like boobs. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I said uh, at one point we actually had a shot of getting Trisha Helfer on the show, and I'm like, crap. Like what? I'm like I believe I said that her her face looked like somebody had stretched lycra over a skull. <laughs> Oh, my God. Her, well, her uh, cheeks were, like, super sunk in, you know, and everything, because she was... It was probably makeup, man. Well, no, I mean, it she was. She look like that She in was person. just that thin, and she doesn't now, but, well, like, when she first started the show, she was just coming off being a model, so yeah. she was, like, model Too skinny. Thin. Yeah. Model thin, yeah. And I, I don't well, find that attractive, yeah. and I, womp, of course... Womp. Shawned it up and <laughs> yeah. no, you chucked it up. Get it straight. <laughs> you know? People walk through the street and say, "Whoops, I've trod on an Edmund." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. That's what I was scared to death of that. Though I'm like, "Oh man, I'm so going to end up talking to somebody." Hey, you know, um, speaking of, <laughs> did big, you just interrupt yourself? I did. That was awesome. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> That's how we roll. Big Bang Theory. I was thinking about, you mentioned Big Bang Theory. Why, but we uh, fu- are caught up on Big Bang Theory and uh, saw the episode last week with the uh, uh, with the wedding. Awesome, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that yes, was it awesome. Is. That was just, you know, and it's funny, every time I think that show is going to stagnate, you know, no. they, it doesn't. Yeah, it just, no. it just kicks it up another little notch. And- I do have to say, I'm a little disappointed that Amy was so annoying 
at the wedding. I think it's very appropriate because I really, really like Amy. She's probably my favorite character, and she's the play. She is a female Sheldon. She's not yeah. going to be. You can like the character, but you're not going to like the. You would never want to deal with them. Yeah, you know, I know. She's. So, I just hope for better. She's yeah. messed up. <laughs> she's messed up, repressed, and say ex- just exceptionally intelligent, and the. They, it's like they they don't <laughs> work, you know. You know, he's making this awesome hand motion, which when, you'll never see. I love when she always like slips up and reveals her like girl crush on Penny. Like when she says, awesome. yeah. "Hey, bestie," you know, <laughs> or, or the uh, oh, let's face it, I can't stay angry at you for long, you know. I, <laughs> yeah, or when you know, uh, I guess it was when Leonard broke. You're talking about they the broke painting, up, right? And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All we need is some 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 soapy water and some sponges and we can fix that <laughs> talk about the painting right yeah there's yeah. there's all kinds of in especially with the wedding episode you know the there's only one woman who can yell at me anymore you know and they they've basically <laughs> it was horrible he kept calling her mom and stuff that was, was like, awesome oh my god awesome. really Just, gotta work on that <laughs> you know? wow that was great though it had to happen you know it but, had well to be and that she way. is now taking the i mean and that's gonna Wallace be which has always see. been a one woman in his life person and now that is switching <laughs> and she's you know and you can tell the gear that she's going in now and it's very scary you know you should just be if you're if you're bernie you should just be afraid you know but i don't know she's kind of weird too it might be a good match she is know? weird and what's funny is how because they they're kind of subtle about it but yeah. you realize how few morals bernie actually has <laughs> yeah. See, I, I disagree i remember you said that before and you were I talking about the uh the the lab experiment where they put like E. coli and key lime pie or something like that and well yeah they'll put they'll like cross like the plague with the common cold and and all that kind of stuff and she just doesn't care about safety I mean she when it comes to her job she has taking no morals. taking the high buck corporate job because she just wants the cash and doesn't care I mean they they're playing her she's like it's a real cool character because she's extremely likable and she's so cute and, and really has a cute little voice and sweet voice and everything but she's actually pretty damn mean. She'd castrate you in the back alley if she thought it would, you know, improve her research. I don't know. I, oh, I mean oh, yeah. I think that when it comes when it comes to her work they do portray her as kind of um careless about well not not careless but like she doesn't really lose sleep at night over stuff but, yeah. but when it comes to her social interactions i feel like she is a moral person i think her friends matter to her i don't know yeah. if i call it moral but, but i think I mean, her friends are the exception can you imagine yeah. her cheating on howard no like but i can imagine all sorts of bad things happening if to other people you know with, with her yeah i'm just saying i don't think it's fair to say as a blanket statement that she's not a moral person i think that there are some areas of her life like in biology and things like that where she lacks a moral compass but when it comes to her relationship, she's a very moral person, so I can't discount that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't extend it to general morality. I, I think it's just she has some loyalty to her friends, but she's not. she does not have a moral compass really working right. <laughs> yeah, she has an inner circle that if you're in the inner circle, she'll make sure stuff works out yeah, for you. Yeah, it'll be safer for you yeah, in the inner circle. Yeah, it'll be way safer for you. <laughs> general population, you don't want to be anywhere near... <laughs> Bernadette and all of them are kind of broken in some kind of way like yeah. that you know which is why it's, it's true, so cause awesome because like, Penny boys. is awesome and, and Penny is like a super cool person but I could see Penny cheating on someone that she loved because she makes dumb mistakes sometimes that's, well, what, that's yeah. what makes good characters right yeah I mean they're everyone's broken in some kind of way and it just like happens an entertaining way yeah oh yeah and it just so <laughs> happens that the way they mesh together 
everybody kind of offsets everybody else's problems uh, and until somebody gets so far out of whack that the group has to bring them back. And that's that's why it works. That's why it's funny. It's a great show. I, I, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I do. No. It's deceptive uh, that way. Even after I knew it was that way, I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. you know, it's all right. And then bang, you know, they, they just bring it home again. Yeah. They actually sent Wallwitz into space. That's awesome. I thought I they know, were going to cop out was, on that. That was cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was, was just quality right there. We're going to get, we're going to get <laughs> Wallwitz in space episodes. I love that his name is Fruit, Fruit Loops. Loops. It is so It is just great. badass. No, Fruit Loops actually got married. It's everybody, you know, the other astronaut shock. <laughs> to a girl. <laughs> yeah, to a girl, you know. <laughs> it's too bad it'd work out better for you in the sympathy factor if it was the other way around, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, uh, we'll talk about space. Uh, then I'm going to have to go home and clean up poodle crap. <laughs> there, is that better for you? It's, <laughs> it's just the... I, I honestly didn't know if it would be able to continue as sharp as it has been, but they just keep delivering. You know what I love is that moment when they see Howard take off and Bernadette's like, I love that man. And Raj is like, so do I. And instead of making fun of him, she like holds his hand. I was like, oh, that's so nice, you know, because it, it would be super easy to make fun of that. And Sheldon grabs Amy. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, that was definitely they they like slip those moments in sparingly, which yeah. is good because if you overdid it, it would get old. Well, they would be less broken yeah. if they were more human. Yeah, you know, they they you have to you have to kind of train. Although Amy still is bar none my favorite character on the show. I after I saw the put it on me, put it on me, put it on me, put it on me, put it on me. <laughs> you know that I was like, yep, that's that. She wears the it. tiara to the wedding. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, or she, Amy has decided to conduct an experiment in order to make me happy. Yes, I could see how that'd be miserable. You know, she's she's just giving him everything he wants, like, you know, strawberry yoo-hoo and, and spaghetti with hot dogs. And it works. He's like, we should do this more often. He's like, oh, crap. You know, she, <laughs> you know she's just reeling his ass in, you know. <laughs> she does the, the scanning thing with the yeoman's uniform and everything. I'm in hell, Leonard. Don't stop. <laughs> You know, it's that even, was classic. Even Sheldon has his breaking point, and Amy found it. You know, that's yep. awesome. Yup. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> one other piece of news, and I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna even mention the actual spoiler because I we don't do that. Uh, but there's been a big Trek spoiler floating around in the last few days. Uh, I would just like to point out a related piece of non-spoilery, spoilery. I can't say that spoilery news. Uh, which is that uh, Orsi, you know, has pointed out that uh, that the Star Trek sequel is not a remake. Right. Yeah, it is not a remake. So all of the people that have been completely jumping off the deep end and saying, I hate this, this is crap, I'm disappointed and all this, when they don't even know what the story is or what's going on yet because of the spoiler that's been floating around. You know, I guess that's to be expected. I mean, because they disappointed us so badly with the last Star Trek movie. Remember right? <laughs> how most of you said that beforehand, before the last one, and then had to totally eat it. And you know, when it came out, and it was awesome. And let me just say, as a person who has experienced this in great detail, documented on many podcasts, time and time, time and time again, we could put together a clip reel of oh, each one could. of us saying stupid things. Oh, yeah. Especially <laughs> me, especially I'm the one that like you could put together a list of. I I bet I could put together a hundred items. Well, I don't know if it's a hundred that I hated that I 
later thought were awesome. I'll give you 25 or 50. I don't <laughs> think it's 100 on the cast, dude. Maybe not on the cast, but well, but I mentioned them. You know, I mean, everything from like Pulp Fiction <laughs> to, uh, um, I don't know, just a huge list of stuff that I the thought Big was Bang Theory. The Matrix. Yeah. A bit, the Matrix? The Matrix, the yeah. Matrix? Big Bang Theory. Yeah. I mean, come on. It just goes on and on and on. And it's so stupid. I just want to say, as one... So are, are you saying you want to watch The Princess Bride? As one jackass to another... Yes. As one <laughs> jackass to another, I've never disliked The Princess Bride. This is one of those things that just like floats around and become takes on a life of its own. I, I As one jackass to another, let me just say, you will wish, I think, that you had withheld judgment. There's a at least 50% chance you're wrong. And that's not even taking into account that the last one was so freaking awesome. You got a lot of talent, a lot of power behind that as far as, you know, acting <sighs> chops and writing. And, I'm just saying it's probably an 80 or 90% chance that you're wrong, you know? And if you think about it, it couldn't be a remake because those, those, all the elements that made no, that second they're movie gone. don't exist. Yeah. It's an alternate timeline. Those, uh, the things that happened, those, those events didn't happen. Right. So, and uh-huh. and the whole more importantly, I think the whole point of you know if you listen to, um, you know you listen to the various people involved in podcasts and that sort of thing, and you find out that they chose this storyline for the two thousand nine. That was right, two thousand nine. Yeah, uh, Trek movie, Trek eleven, whatever you want to call it, um, specifically to give them the freedom to tell different stories. <laughs> yeah. It would make no sense for them to not tell new stories after go, after taking that big risk, you know, solely so that they could tell new stories. So anyway, I just wanted to say, uh, number one, I, I think that your fears are somewhat unfounded because uh, as they're confirming, there's so much reason for it not to be if that way. Anybody deserves the benefit of the doubt. I'd exactly. Say it's, it's this second movie. And number two. I, I just want to tell you, as a person who has stepped in that hey, mud hole. You said number two and about, stepped in that mud hole. Yeah, about 9,000 times, or at least 25 on the podcast. You know, uh, yeah, don't. It's it's not worth it, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot going for it. It's got the, a fantastic, probably one of the best assembled Trek crews. Yeah. Holy crap. That I can remember. And... Boy. I, made, I made fun of Enterprise before I saw it. Me too. See, that's what goes on my All list. All three of us were haters on that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I hated the Big Lebowski the first time I saw oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yep. Stargate. I made fun of Stargate. I we made fun of Stargate made, Atlantis. We both made fun of, we made fun of Eureka. Yep. Eureka. Now we do a podcast about Eureka. <laughs> <laughs> we suck, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's why I'm trying to tell everybody. I'm like, look, I'm not Don't just like, I'm not like, I'm not like saying you are an idiot. I'm like, we are. <laughs> I know, man. I, we I, are the douchebags, <laughs> exactly. my friends. I am. I, am, I get bow, it. Bow, I like to bow. think I'm getting slightly smarter about it, though. That like going forward, I don't do it quite as much. I tend to think, you know, yeah, let's we, see what they're going to do. You we know, grab that stove about five thousand times. <laughs> At this point, we know it's hot. Okay, I have finally hand, figured it out. Our hand looks like the Nazi from Raiders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I now know the stove yeah, is so hot. <laughs> yeah, the stove is hot. Don't touch that. <laughs> don't touch that stuff. You know, it's going to burn. Yeah, so it's just I'm going to give that the benefit of the doubt. Uh, speaking of the benefit of the doubt. I got into the newsish type item. Uh, so James Cameron is uh, has announced that he is only going to be doing for the foreseeable future. Oh yes, I saw that Avatar. Uh, so he's working on Avatar two right now. Uh, for sure, going to do Avatar three, maybe Avatar four. And uh, he says, and I quote: 
so I'm not interested in developing anything. I'm in the Avatar business, period. That's it. I'm making Avatar 2, 3, and maybe 4. I'm not going to produce other people's movie for them. I'm not interested in taking scripts. And all that sounds, I suppose, a little bit restricted. But at this point, or no, uh, but the point is, I think within the Avatar landscape, I can say everything I need to say and that needs to be said in terms of the state of the world and what I think we need to be doing about it. You know what? I think that's, it sounds really extreme, but you know, when you factor in a couple of other things with it, it kind of makes some sense. Like number one, you look at, at the, the kind of, the kind of commitment and time and resources and stuff that it takes to make an avatar, you know, and you look at, at, at Cameron's age and you look at his, you know, realistic future in movies and you you add all that up and overlay it, and you know it's not as far out as it sounds. Is he, he still married to uh, Linda Hamilton? Oh, I don't know. I didn't even know he was. I'm not really like a gossip guy. Um, I'm interested. I just See? I don't keep up. Five hundred casts. I'm not going to step in that one. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm just like you know. I mean, it sounds crazy. If he was 25, you know, that would be, you'd be like, yeah, right. But, you know, when you're a guy who has the kind of background that he has, has had the experience that he has had, is looking and saying, I had this great experience. I had this vehicle that's going to let me do creative stuff that I want to do. I'm only going to be doing this stuff for another 10, 15 years, you know, real actively. It's going to take me that long to make two or three of these. Crap. (laughs) You know, maybe four. Sorry, he's not married to Linda Hamilton anymore. Um, he's married to his fifth wife now, uh, Susie Amos. He was mm. married to Linda Hamilton from 97 to 99. Oh. Each of his previous marriages lasted between two and six years. You know, the more I think about that, and I'm not trying to be... A, a, this one's 12 years? I'm not trying to be an apologist or anything, but the more I understand about the way, you know, the way those jobs work, it's not surprising. No. Oh God! You know? No kidding. It, it was like on um, the Captain's documentary. Yeah, when that's that's what Patrick comes Stewart to mind. Was talking yeah. about. Yeah, you're yeah. like these people aren't just douchebags. It's that they have jobs, and when you consider that, especially in this case, a lot of times these people are married also to people that are in that industry. The chances of of you have to have a really amazingly strong well, relationship to or survive that. Have you know? some have a relationship that depends on you not being together for a either way yeah. portion of time. You know, and I'm not saying that in a mean way. I mean, I'm some just, people yeah. work better together when they see each other not as well, much. I'm saying know? that if you took normal people in their normal relationships, you know, the average, and you put them in that in those roles, it would last maybe the not sacrifice that long. required yeah. to produce that level of dedication is very difficult to deal with on a relationship level. Yeah, uh, and it's, yeah, totally. And really, it's part of the reason there's a lot of people who in the industry who say, I don't, I don't date or, or, or right. get in relationships with those. You could see that those types of, and it's not a mean thing. It's a matter of I don't work well with that because they'd be gone. You know. Yeah. Uh, and especially if you get a good actor who is in a lot of movies or TV shows or whatever, they could Projects, be out in yeah. you know the jungles of. You know the Congo or something like that. You won't see them for a year. They're gone. That's why I'm just oh, saying. Suck. Yeah, I think that Cameron is probably this isn't as far out of statement as it sounds. You know, and he can always change his mind. That's it too. You know, in fact, in a lot of cases, uh, that statement of non-interest could be more of a a draw. I don't think he means it that way, but it could be that way if he wants to change his mind later. Is what I'm saying. I don't think that's going to hurt him at all. You know. You know, I don't think so. He's he's kind of stated what he wants to do, and and you know, 
at a certain point, he has enough clout and enough uh, vision and enough drive that he can kind of pick and call his shots. And if this is what he's picking, I mean, what are you going to do? Say, no, you're going to make my movie. He can make whatever he needs I'm, to do. I'm so. curious to know what a, a second Avatar movie would be about. Oh, there are all kinds of things. Yeah. You know it's going to be environmentalist based, but yeah. I, I would look forward to it. I'm one of the people that enjoyed well, Avatar, so. There has been strong speculation and rumor and some confirmations here and there that uh, mostly the second Avatar movie is going to be about, uh, is going to have an environmental theme, as you're saying, and also an underwater theme. Go figure. Nice. Um, he's been doing a lot of research on it. He's done several dives. He's done several Makes things. Makes sense. And, yeah, and we know about is, his dives. Yeah. The world record dive. I mean, so he's doing a lot of that, and largely they say Avatar is going to be, Avatar 2 is going to take place underwater. Huh. You know what would be awesome so. is to like recreate the scene from Titanic where Jack paints uh, Rose, except with Navi, you know? <laughs> They're finger painting her. Yeah. <laughs> she's like lying on the couch, you know, and she's got... You get, your, like, you get your blue boobs, right? Yeah. Kind of a chubby Navi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sexy, but, you know. Yeah, he spends Jar Jar's like, painting her. <laughs> spends like seven hours on her tail, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Nothing else is important. That is awesome. <laughs> I, I gotta mention this one thing from uh, from from school that I think you'll get a kick out of. You know, you you said clout. You know the the service clout. You you've heard of them? Mm-hmm. It's really funny because it's like this unknown algorithm that supposedly looks at your Twitter account and decides how important and influential you are, based on well. And I mean, it's an algorithm. Vanity much? <laughs> exactly. But uh, it's it's a it's it's an algorithm that's based on how often you're retweeted and what kind of terms you use, and then. People who are in the cloud system can also uh, give you points for things that they think you you know a lot about, and it can identify those and so on, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the funny thing is, is that uh, in the marketing world, some people take these really seriously, maybe way more seriously than anybody should, which is kind of funny. And uh, these guys, kind of this, this art group created a thing called Kloosh Bag, <laughs> which is... This is, I wish I'd thought of this and done it. I really do, because it's a beautiful project. What they did is they created an algorithm that uses Twitter to like look at your Twitter account like, like, like Clout does and come up with all these things about it, like uh, your like asset factor or whatever and things like that. I can't remember them. Nice. It was great. Like it, it uses like, and it's funny because at first people plug it in, they're like, I don't understand how it works. And they're like, that's the point. You want to know how it works? It looks at how many times you use these, these swear words, you know, he's like, and that's just as random as the crap that clout does. And everybody's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's really fun. Uh, uh, one of my awesome professors tweeted her, her cloosh bag score and uh and and i ran mine and and i was having fun because hers and she has a, a doctorate in in english lit and i thought it was funny that uh she had gotten misuse of of english language as a higher score than i did so, what? so I, it's it doesn't matter it's because of shortened words she figured it was because of shortened words yeah it must be because i've seen her tweets and they're not but it was awesome i was like hey, hey. Yeah. You know, I was just, I was just we were having a great time with you should it, get you her know? one of those t-shirts that says like it's an it's or two two and two get it right or whatever you know? totally yeah yeah i have no interest in clout but kloosh back that's, I'm telling you, it's awesome, that i might it? do you that know? is a great great idea i wish i'd thought of it it's just Star Trek kloosh bags. Might kloosh bag my clout score or something. That'd be fun. Do it. Just, yeah, go to kloosh bag and, and run your kloosh bag score and tweet it and everything. Because I like promoting Dumb them. Question, I think it's a great idea. How do you idea. spell that? Like, like douchebag, but with KL on the front of okay, it. Okay, okay. <laughs> Cloud is K-L-O-U-T. 
Write oh. myself a note right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah, that's that's worth knowing about. That's that's just to, just to talk while, while you're making your note. Uh, this is finals week, which has been kind of hell getting projects done and stuff. But I, I had one class where we all had to kind of do presentations and tell you how awesome the program that I'm in is. Um, you know, it's funny. We uh, we all had to do these little presentations for this portfolio we did, and uh, we're in little groups of three and four people. And my group of like three people were so fun that uh, we had actually made a, a dollar bet to see who could come up with the most different kind of presentation than what everybody else was giving. You know, this is the kind of thing people do for fun in this in this program, which I think is awesome. And and it was it was funny. I I thought I was going to win it, and I lost it. Um, the one guy who was artist did a, did a really cool one. Uh, I kind of smoked him because I did like a, uh, a Ted style presentation with the way they do simple graphics and lots of them and, and that sort of thing, which everybody else was showing their portfolio. And I like actually came at it sideways with that. And then the other guy, uh, who is a total kind of developer, hacker, nerd, awesome guy, uh, smoked us both. By coming in with this, he had he one of his pro- his project was he had designed a uh, a text adventure using you know like like Zork, mm-hmm. but he had he had built it himself and it had these media objects in it. And in the game, you found these folders, red, blue, and green folders that you could open, and the objects were in it, and so on. And you could watch a video from that, and blah blah blah. It's kind of cool. Uh, so he comes in and he's got these folders. And he gets up and he starts doing the presentation. He pulls out this red folder and uh, and it's got photos in it. And he pulls out this red folder and it's got an old outdated Android phone that's set to play the sound. Nice. That's in it, you know. So he like pulls this thing out of the way. He has uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the school's iPads crammed into one of the folders. Pulls it out and sticks it and it plays the video that you get when you open the folder and presents wow, it stuff. Smoked awesome. us both. We're like, yeah, here's your buck. <laughs> I'm jealous. Isn't I'm so awesome? jealous that people in your class do stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff people do in my program. Everybody should do this. I do this. a freaking it's... dance when somebody like says something that indicates that they actually did the reading. <laughs> <laughs> you would be amazed. I think everybody does the reading in my class. They come in with stuff. It's awesome. I'm just really, really happy. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, I just got to, I have to give a shout out to this awesome graphic. It's totally not a news piece, but Chuck showed it to me and Will Wheaton posted it on uh, Tumblr and it's a silhouette of a unicorn and <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, yeah. it's scooting, you know, like a cat or a dog would scoot across the carpet. It's scooting forward and there's like a, a ribbon trail, trail of, rainbow. of rainbow behind it. <laughs> I was like, ah! I want, I'm like, I want that in a t-shirt. Audrey wants that in a t-shirt so bad. Somebody, somebody do that right away. ASAP. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. I got my ass handed to me, but and I'm not used to that in an artistic environment. <laughs> I, I, uh, I've been doing some work with my niece and I asked her for something and I used, and I, I, I blame my, my daytime job. I used the cliche and oh, she no. sent me a unicorn with rainbow turds, you know, and she's, she's like, Okay, jackass. Next time you ask for this, you need to be <laughs> sorry. You know <laughs> that's artist for really, really. <laughs> Did you honestly? As you know, it's it's kind of funny because she she's a big Mass Effect fan too, and and uh, she's like, yeah, asking me to remove the artifacts from this is like asking Neil Armstrong to remember to zip up his jumpsuit on the way out the bathroom. But I'm like, ah! you know. So yeah, it was it was awesome that. Artist humor for those of you who I got it, you know, but anyway, not uh, an artist, but I got it. <laughs> well, it, it was the you know because uh, 
in the first Mass Effect, you know, Joker's joking around. He's like, no, I just jumped us halfway across the galaxy. That's awesome. Good? Good is, did you remember to ju- zip up your flight suit on the way out the bathroom? So, yeah, she was. I got that too. <laughs> Joker jokes are awesome. Yes. Have you seen that um, that exchange where yes. Garrus and Joker? I know you have. He has. You know, oh, you have. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned it. The one oh, where that's yeah, awesome. they're, they're telling the jokes. They're Garrus telling all and- the, the like Turian and human jokes. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. So the writers for Mass Effect Three must have oh, had more fun God. just writing all that extra dialogue that's in there. You Dude, know, you just don't even, and especially if you don't play all the games all the way through, you don't even get half the interactions between these characters, and characters don't show up, and some people are dead and everything. I used to to always recommend you play the first ones anyway, but crap, you miss so much if you don't play them. Yeah, we got that downloadable content where you can get the uh, the Prothean. We went and got, awesome. got Jerak. The story boy, was so boy. cool. I gotta I gotta admit, pair them with Liara a lot. Those two are awesome. <laughs> we got to try that. Yeah. I can't wait. Um, I I had been talking to Sean, and I meant to mention to anyone who's who's getting ready to play three. Audra and I had kind of we wanted to play together, so we started a new character to do it. And there are some major major drawbacks to doing that. Uh, there are significant sections of like of the Eve, game. Uh, the Krogan Eve, we it's, can't. It's save impossible. Her. I'm just yeah. going to go. You need to know this. I, I don't care. This is spoiler or not. You need to know. It's not a story. Big story spoiler. Eve. You can't save Eve. It's impossible. I looked it up. It's actually impossible to save Eve. If you if start you, with a new character in three. There's a thing that, that you depressing. have to do in two, which I did in two, damn it. Um, <laughs> but if you don't import it over, then, yeah, you're screwed. then so, you lose her. Yeah, it's not an option you can now, pick on the box. To, to just point out again how awesome the Bioware folks are for the way they did this. I think it's super cool that you can't get necessarily everything from any particular direction like like you know you can't get everything there is to get in the game unless you play the other games and i think that's good that's and awesome. unless you they're, play multiplayer that's right they're rewarding the people that play the game that way now here's the other thing though like if you lose eve there are scenes that you don't get unless right. you lose eve and it sucks but uh like sean and i were trading notes on it you know since you know we wanted to i wanted the other experience and he he was interested i think in what mm-hmm. happened otherwise you know and and it's it's this is why people go back and and play as even characters they don't like like they'll go back and play as a as a a renegade character simply because experience yeah because there are parts of the game you'll never see unless you explore it that way replayability out the roof oh you know real quick chuck on facebook there's actually an interest group that you can join like if you list as your interest there's a group called um fans of punching the reporter in mass effect (laughs) I'm gonna go join that right now. I'm gonna jump. There, there were like 12 people in it or something, but it was cool. I saw that. I was like, ah. that is awesome. But you know, you know what I love about the writing in this game. I mean, all of these things I agree with. What besides we've said everything, so far, besides everything, <laughs> but there's another aspect which just I, I, I can't even express how impressed I am. It's the the way that they write the dialogue at least for like Paragon Shepherd, when she talks to people and helps them feel better about something or kind of connects with them emotionally or, or helps them kind of heal a wound or whatever. It's incredible. Cause yeah, it is. I, I just, I'm not that good, you know, as a person, I could not come up with the things to say that she does in the way that she does. And I'm just like, God, you know, why, why couldn't I think to say something like that? You know, how does she do it? And obviously it's because there's a huge team of writers who have edited 
everything and but still it's i just love it she's like the kind of person i want to be yeah but at the same time even if even if you're doing paragon and even if you're going along and trying to do the right thing you know there are scenes in there there are things that piss you off and yeah you can't always in the third one you can finalize some of that stuff so i mean even even if you're you've gone along wrong they still allow you to be relatively good and you know like assassinate people if you I mean, she'll just take out her sidearm and just pop you in the face and, and you know, holster it. Audra, I think what comes from, I think where that comes from is uh, two, two places. Well, a lot, but especially two. One is obviously, like you said, writing. But the second is, you know, um, she obviously put a lot of effort into, like, understanding and, and developing a partnership with the player, you mm-hmm. know? Um Jennifer Hale? Yes. I, I'm sorry. I'm slow this morning. Um, she, you know, when we, when I talked to her, she you could tell that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She took seriously that she is in a partnership with the player in in terms of, of creating Shepard. And, and it just, it you can hear it and feel it in her voice when she says the yeah. things. In, I think more so than the male voice. I agree. I agree. I I have to admit that. And having played with a male voice a lot and, and then seeing, you know, us playing with, with her voice, she does. She just really, you really, you feel like you're partnered with her making Shepard happen. And, and I don't think that would have happened without the good writing. I don't think that would have happened without her commitment to that idea as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, I, I really aspire to be like that. Um, our our shepherd now is she's almost entirely Paragon, but she's kind of a, like B Kitty, like super laid back, you know, very accepting and very willing to like, you know, make people feel comfortable and, and nothing, you know, not like no chip on her shoulder or anything. Just cool, you know, easy to be around. But every now and then. You know, if if you I'm do, I'm gonna stick it straight up your backside. If you do something yeah. that's like really douchey and it and it like hits her button just the right way, she's gonna get you know she's like done. she's gonna stand up for one of her friends or she's gonna like come down on you. Yeah, I'm. That's that's our shepherd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mine was probably about a fifth renegade. Uh, by the time I got done, she she was about a fifth renegade because there were some choices. I'm like, no, this is the last one. You're going down. Yeah. And Shepard is very effective at that. It is super cool. Uh but I don't know. They you know, they've uh they've released some of the uh, uh story that's going to there are some of the actions that they're going to take afterwards. Um they've completely uh I guess kind of negated the whole uh indoctrination theory uh that's that's gone around and and all that stuff uh for the ending and everything like that. So there was a a big kind of movement for the indoctrination. All oh, this is what they did and no. Uh so with the the they're not changing uh the ending, the end. Uh they're they've made the statement that they're going to explain why things happen. But nice. they're not going to they're not going to back off. Good. I'm glad so, they're not going to yeah. back off. Uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Kind of cool. You know, Chuck, back to the reporter thing for a second. I'm glad our character, since she's new in three, didn't punch the reporter because I actually like Diana Allers or whatever, the reporter who's staying in the cargo deck. Like, she's okay, you know? Miss hookup with every chick in the game. One person. (laughs) One person. She didn't hook up with anybody in my game. 
No, not Diana Allers. We, um, our shepherd, I had her hook up with a trainer. Yeah, me too. That was so awesome. Hell yeah, it she was. Came, she came down like, she's like, I promise a night of fun and games. And I'm like, huh? And she comes in to, <laughs> to talk yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't do that one. Um, she walked in. She's like, oh, a real shower. You know, this is awesome. <laughs> I to use it. <laughs> well, she did. And, and we're like sitting in the, the, over in the, like the bedroom suite and she's in the background, you know, oh, yeah. and the options like join her or like stay here or whatever. I joined her. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> so did Audra. Well, I looked at Chuck and I'm like, you know, what do you think? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, join her. So I was like, this is awesome. But um, but then Diana Allers came by and and Chuck started like, oh, you're gonna hook up with everybody on the she show. She was hitting on you. I know. And, and you were thinking about it. I was not. I said, <laughs> I said, no. I think we're fine here, right in front of the camera. I wasn't thinking about it. I, I was told totally her, about it. I told her no. And I'm like, I make all these, like, I, didn't. <laughs> I have this, like, nice monogamous kind of fling with, with trainer going on, and Chuck's like, you're sleeping with everyone on the show. I was just messing with you. I tried. <laughs> I hooked up with every chick I could possibly hook up with, <laughs> and then backed it up to see if I missed any. <laughs> I finally did wind up. To see if I missed any. <laughs> Sean started a website. It's like... People you can hook up with in Mass Effect Three. Oh, there's all there's already that. Is kind there? Of stuff. It, it seemed like the there's opportunity. A tree. It seemed like the opportunity to hook up with James had gone away. I think I'm. I think that I made a choice like really early on in the game that that took away that opportunity. Uh, it's possible that you were you were a chick. So so James was obviously interested. There's um once he starts calling you Lola, that's the the branch on the tree. That's good. And then there's a certain point where you're, I think he's, he's like working out and like doing a bunch of presses and stuff like that. And there's some, some exchange in there is where the, the hook is for. Yeah. The, I think that I might've directed it the wrong way. Cause, um, I didn't want my, it was really early in the game and I didn't want our character. Yeah. To his be, hook is, is early. Yeah. I didn't want her to be a total just like pushover. So I had her like flirt with him a little and then she was like, okay, that's enough, you know? So and they have you, like a real flirty relationship, but yeah, once you tell him he's he's pretty much done, and yeah. you, you get stuck in the friend zone with James. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's all kinds of. I just of, can't help myself those those lats and those shoulders, you know. But I was like, I like bulky. You hate that. Not on him. BS. Chuck's like BS. Yeah, I don't know. There's. I don't like big guys. Yeah, BS. I never said I don't like big guys. You said, I you said s- I like guys who ke- I don't like guys when they can't put their arms down. You said you don't like bulky guys. That's those were your words back in the day. Although I can't see the the this, you know, because what the hell are you going to do with this? You know, it's like, well, what? Haven't you ever seen a hypocrite before? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice pull. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's as much as is. There's, I, I dig the whole trainer thing. I like her. Man, I wound up... Yeah, she is cool. I've been with Liara like for two and a half games, and as soon as I met trainer, it was downhill. Which is like, nope, trainer. Yeah, she well, trainer's just, cool. just an awesome character. Yeah, I'm like, I could cool. totally see this. I mean, yeah. she's <laughs> And I get the sense that she'd be discreet, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, she totally was in my game. Although she, she gave off that, man, I wasn't even supposed to be here vibe, but screw it, I'm here, so might as well do my job. So that was really? kind of cool. 
Yeah. Wow. No, not in our Like in the first one, it was because I was being like a dick to everybody who wasn't on my Uh, original crew. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She's like, look, I wasn't even supposed to be here. I'm doing the best I can. You need to get up off of me. Oh, no. She wasn't like that at all. Yeah, Yeah, okay, cool. You know, so. (laughs) It was awesome because in in one scene, they're like in the shower together and then they're laying in bed talking. And then like in the next scene, we come up onto the... um, the command deck in front of the galaxy map and she's trainers back up there in uniform. She's like, commander. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, ha ha. That's awesome. <laughs> I just saw you naked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be all cool out here. But... We are starting a new arc this week, which is really cool. This, uh, we, we don't really have a good name for it. We talked about GWC Selects. We talked about some others. You it makes what? it sound like a salted ham or it something. Does. <laughs> chicken, chicken nuggets. Yeah. yeah it's like chicken. <laughs> I like it. But yeah. Vienna no, sausage. <laughs> the important thing, though, is that uh, what we're doing is for the next, for this week and the next two weeks, uh, each of us is picking a media object, which we are, uh, which we feel had. A significance in our development. It doesn't mean it's our favorite. It doesn't mean that uh, the most important even. It's just it's an, a media object that had a specific importance in our development as a person, as a geek. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and Audra, like, like growing up, you know, as you kind of formed your geek identity, yeah. something that stood out to you. And Audra is up this week. So, Audra, you want to introduce it? Yeah. Um, what I wanted to talk about was the Disney movie, The Flight of the Navigator. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid. Really? And I saw it like a number of times, you know, probably between the ages of maybe eight or nine and and like 12. But I haven't seen it since then. So it was really cool to go back and watch it and to find that it really holds up pretty well. I was impressed. And the things that the things that I see differently, I saw them with amusement in that kind of way that adults see kids' movies. Like, oh, that's cool, the way that they do this for kids, you know. But I didn't see anything that was just bad or cheesy. or It wasn't like that DuckTales experience where Juan and I <laughs> wanted to watch that, like, time travel oh, DuckTales freaky. episode. We're like, what were we thinking? You know, this we is We watched it and we're up. like, they're on acid. Yeah. It wasn't like that. It was like, this is a pretty good movie. And it, it holds up well. And, um, and it was just as much fun to watch now as it was back then, so... I had never seen it. DuckTales Time Travel? Is that the one where oh, yeah. he gets the, puts the wheel on the lance or something? Or um, which? That that one character who's like the inventor, the yeah. kind of, mm-hmm. um, or is it, it's not Goofy. It's the one who's kind of like Goofy. Yeah. He comes up with a contraption. Uh, is it Gizmo something? Is that his name? Anyway, he comes up with a contraption that allows them to travel at the speed of light. So it's not time travel, I guess, but... Um, and they go around the town and everything is, it appears to be stopped and they wow. interfere with everything and they go to a baseball game and they change the outcome of the game by like moving the ball and spinning people around and stuff. And It's screwed up. Well, I always thought it was cool because it was kind of a sci-fi idea, but the episode itself is really weird. Yeah, it is. It was freaky. Yeah. We all were watching it getting more and more freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> like watching it, it's like uh, yeah, it's creepy. But but this you know this kind not of retro experience was not that way. It was really cool. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker is in yes, this movie. Yes, it was one of her first movies that yeah. I've ever seen her in. I don't know how twisted how, sister. <laughs> Actually, she it's a thing. She kind of looks a little bit like. Uh, I'm sorry. Like who? 
Sarah Jessica Parker? No, like, what's his name from <laughs> Twisted Sister? Well, maybe a little bit, you know? Yeah. D. Snyder? D. Snyder, yeah. Thank yeah. you. I was like, D? I can't remember. It's stupid. <laughs> the only reason I remember is because he's one of the ones who went with, like, Bob Denver and, <laughs> and everything to, to protest the, you know, wives against awesome music, you know, uh, with the labeling. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, with Tipper Gore and all yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tipper Gore. Wives Against Awesome Music. <laughs> Wham. Yeah. That's awesome. That's what it was. I agree. Chodes. Anyway. It is. Yeah, it's probably why Al divorced her. <laughs> he liked too much awesome music. I can music. see that. Did he really? No. It was the music. No, he, They got a divorce, but awful. I mean, Well, that's mm-hmm. what I was saying. They got a divorce? Like two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think better of Al Gore now. <laughs> I don't think it was for that good a reason. Well, I don't think so saying, either. You know? <laughs> but yeah, Sarah Jessica Parker, I, I don't know exactly how old I could look up on IMDb, but I think she must have been like 18 or something, 20. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I think what's cool, and I thought of you, Sean, um, was the whole, the way the movie begins with the dogs, you know, the Frisbee jumping dogs oh, yeah. and stuff. And he, Hell yeah. and this kid, David, he wants his dog, uh, bruiser, right? He yep. wants his dog so badly to be one of these like show dogs that will jump and catch Frisbees. And he just doesn't like, he's a really nice dog and a really good family dog, but he doesn't know anything about catching Screw Frisbees. Screw the Frisbee. <laughs> I want to hang with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, um, man, this, it was cool. Cause as we were watching this movie, I was thinking back on, myself watching it as a kid and thinking oh man i can totally see why this and that appealed to me in those ways at the time um i mean okay just from a like a bird's eye view you've got a kid who is the center of a movie his best friends are a dog a spaceship and a little alien and you know, it's like, it doesn't get any better than that. He, he travels in time, you know, he's the center of this adventure. Um, he meets cool people who, like Sarah Jessica Parker's character, who's a lot older and who talks to him like they're the same age, right. know, which, which technically they would have been. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> you know, and, and even though things are difficult, like everybody treats him like he's really important and, and kind of centers everything around him. And it's just like, what kid wouldn't want that? You yeah, know, spaceship, dog, alien, best friends. I'd have left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Y'all have never seen me. I'm out of here. You know, even at that young age, I did. I mean, Centauri was is really the the you know for me the the ticket out. I mean, if you were ever going to say this is the best scenario, what would you like to happen? It's yeah, it's Centauri. But Max at that age would have been an acceptable alternative. You'd have just brought the dog. Yeah, I'd have that just. Been brought, if yeah, I'd have had Talat awesome. at the time, you know, like Talat and Max, that that is an acceptable. Yeah, alternative. see if he'd have just brought Bruiser on board and been like, "Gotta go, gotta go." I love how after Max scans his brain, he basically becomes like another twelve-year-old boy. Yeah, and <laughs> like talks to him inf- just like <laughs> <laughs> the human brain is an infectious disease in the solar galaxies. You know, it, it's and and you find. I mean, he he has the the whole. Uh, uh, like you're saying, the the not uh, not to human, you know, compliance, you know, and, and goes and does his stuff and everything. And then afterwards, he's like, <laughs> you know. And, Which, and of course, did... freaked me out because Chuck pointed out that it's uh, Paul Rubens who does yeah. the voice. And I didn't know that when I was a kid, and I just never bothered to go back and find Twinkies! out. Who Twinkies? It was I know. Know, good casting, like, you know? Yeah. yeah. It yeah. makes so much sense. You know, I, I have to admit, I like the humor in Max before the brain download. Like two because I were, like that too. Yeah. There, there was some like wry humor, but then he's like, 
So you want to leave this for this dangerous place? Compliance. He's yeah. like, awesome. I get to do something. Yeah. You know, it, it, it eked out, even though he was just really yeah. simple, you know. Or like when he misunderstood the order to Not go like straight, straight up. up. He's like, oh. oh. <laughs> then he goes straight back down. Aww. And then he goes into sports car mode and just out of here, you know, and and it's it's that kind of thing. I mean, what does an alien ship built to serve a pilot do? Well, I need a pilot. And yeah. he, once he finds one, it's it doesn't really matter to him that it's a 12 year old kid. You know, the 12 year old kid knows more about the planet than he does. So, of course, he's going to be the pilot. Come on, the navigator getting a D in geography. That was funny. Yeah, and he keeps messing up. He's like, oh, look, it's Fort Lauderdale. Then it turns out it's Tokyo. And he keeps, he keeps mistaking like where they're at because uh, David doesn't really know where they're at. <laughs> that was awesome. That was something I didn't really get when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, and there is some of that. You know, It's sort of like when you watch Bugs Bunny when you're a kid. There's stuff there for you, but there's stuff there for your parents, yeah. too. Yeah. And in Flight of the Navigator, I mean, I think a little less so, but still, you can appreciate it as an adult. I mean, I don't find the same things funny now that I did then. But you found other things. But it still works. And yeah, you find other things. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I've never seen it. And you know, Chuck, I didn't realize that you hadn't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought you had seen it like a long time ago. No. No, and I was I was talking to Sean uh, that when we were setting up this morning, and I think the reason I didn't see it was I, I would have been like I guess fifteen when it came out. Yeah, it came out in eighty six, July. At of that 86. time, we didn't really go to the theater a lot. Well, that, that you had other right stuff on the, your mind at fifteen too. Wasn't that right after the Challenger? Yeah, July of eighty six. Well, around there, yeah. I I uh, you know we never really went to the theater that much, and. So and back then, if you didn't see it in the theater, your chances to see it would be relatively small, you know, until later. So I, I think well, there weren't there a large number of systems available to right. to view media right, right, right. Well, missed it in the theater. Didn't Top Gun come out like the year after or something? I mean, I, I think that was, was a lot earlier. That was eighty five or eighty six. Oh, really? It? Same time. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's the kind of movie I think that you probably would have seen. If you did go out to the theater. Then. Oh, no, I mean, I think this one is a possibility. We might have seen this. It's just we didn't. And because we didn't, then it didn't really, it fell off the radar yeah, by the time it yeah. was available again. And, yeah. you know. And this was one of those movies that because it was a Disney movie and because it's pretty family friendly, they they re-ran it at least once a year on like CBS or whatever. And that's why I got to see it every time nice. it came on. Oh, yeah. Top Gun came out in May of 86. Nice. Look at that. You're good. Yeah, two months. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, because the yeah, yeah. The, the anniversary last year. I should, oh, right. Should have got that. And... The only reason I remember it was 86 as well is because I had a, a, you know, it was 86 was the year of Haley's Comet. Oh, right. Yeah. So Haley's Comet and Top Gun came out in the same year. Would well, you see all the sesquicentennial stuff on the... No, bicentennial. Yeah, sorry. Bicentennial. I'm thinking Texas. But the bicentennial <laughs> stuff around the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, around the place, you know. That was I actually, cool. you probably remember in in '86, um, all the bicentennial coins, all the quarters, oh, yeah. the quarters that bicentennial came out. Bicentennial was '76, wasn't it? Seventy. My bad. My bad. Yeah. That was my birthday. '76. Yeah. '76 <laughs> was when they had all those bicentennial coins, and I remember growing up as a kid. It felt. It seemed to me that half of the quarters in circulation back then were those bicentennial quarters. Yeah, I really got tired of all that crap because I was a bicentennial baby, and I was born in July of '76. Uh, so I see. you you get inundated with a lot. Of, you get really tired of it you know because everybody's like oh it's such a big deal you're like really for me it's it's so not you know everything's all stars and stripes and everything and i remember the first time i saw those bicentennial quarters 
you know, they have a, a drummer boy yeah, yeah, the, on, the, on the back like, of them, you know. And my mom the colonial would drummer like, with a hat and... tape a, uh, this is funny, uh, my mom would tape a quarter, which is how milk money, uh, to my Hulk, my metal Hulk lunchbox. Nice. And, it, you know, the first time I saw one, I was like, oh, crap, because I didn't think it, my mom gave me like a faulty quarter. Like they wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't take it, you know, if they flipped it over. So I made sure to give it to the lunch lady with the head. That's up, awesome. You know, cause I thought, oh my God, when they find out I have bogus money, I'm never going to get milk. You know, it was great. Anyway, sorry. That's, Do you see those awesome. old NASA logos? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. That's funny. It's funny. Cause I, it, it didn't feel old to me. I mean, I know it is. But I, I remember it so clearly that I still think of it as NASA, you know? It actually caused a lot of nostalgia for me. Like, um, but that was right around the time for you. Yeah, not as much to the story as through, like, the uh, just, it was very accurately set in the 80s, you know? And, and there were so many things that well, it just. Made in the 80s. Yeah, I know. But and, it, it just, but, and it was shot in that same county in Florida that you lived in. I didn't live there until 90, 90, 91. And, that, and Fort Lauderdale is, is quite a bit south of... of no, uh, I'm saying it was filmed in that county, that Broward or Brevard, Brevard, Brevard yeah. County. And I mean, it was only a couple of years before. I mean, yeah, I guess it was basically true. the time and place that you were there. I mean, we're old. That counts now. <laughs> decade. Yeah. Within a decade counts. The, the sort of stuff that, that caught me... Uh, was like the box of fireworks. Come yeah. on, that doesn't happen anymore. No, you know? holy crap! <laughs> Get arrested with what fireworks they're now. Like, they're like, you know, go find your little brother. And the normal way, apparently, that the kids walk home is through this dark, shrouded forest, like off the beaten path, like off this little rural road. And it's so dark you can't even make your way through all the fog and the moss and everything. Safer than the ghetto. It's- <laughs> So How? kids have to walk all through that. Actually, in Florida, if if it looked like that, it would not be safe. Yeah, you have gators and literally. snakes. And, I wasn't I mean, thinking gators and snakes. I was thinking like pedophiles. I mean, if anyone wanted to kidnap your be kids. That'd by the gators and the snakes. It's true. <laughs> but if, if anyone wanted to kidnap your kids, it'd be easy to just, if you see kids walking through the forest by themselves all the time, you know. When I, when Dude, I, Red Riding Hood. When I, mean. I worked at Space Camp, we were on the, uh, you know, we were on the river there. And and the river, you know, there are gators out there. No yeah. kidding. Yeah, like, like they, six to eight. They were foot right on the gators. river too, weren't they? Yeah. Bigger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They can show up. They like I think I've said this on the podcast. The, during the like year and a half, I guess two years, whatever that I was there, uh, twice we had to call the the animal control people to come get rid of gators that had wandered up out of there and were confused. You know, and yeah, they, yeah. They, but they would hurt you. You know, they don't yeah. mean to, but they would. They don't know where they are, but they will mess with you. One was you. a little bitty one like you know i don't know three feet long or something and they and, bite more often and they got it into a trash can and then and then the people came and got it and the other one was like eight or ten feet long and everybody <laughs> hit the damn building <laughs> and called them because they can eat you yeah <laughs> and they came out and some really brave dudes came out but yeah i mean so it, it actually would be extremely dangerous i think uh, i don't know for they were in fort lauderdale then i've only been to fort lauderdale once um but uh, the other thing was the the decoration and everything was kind of my my first thought was those people are loaded. Um, Holy yeah. crap! No yeah. kidding, that Cash. house right on the yeah, water. Yeah, their boat. Did you take? Did you check out their boat? Holy yeah. crap! Back in the day, that thing was expensive. You know. Yeah, totally. It was really funny too because uh, Audrey, I, I know you had mentioned you had like you know you had thought about about the boat and how cool it would be to like have a family that was like cool and wanted to go out in the boat and everything. Oh, man. At the end of that movie, 
Yeah. When they're all like, come on, David, you know, and, and they're all like as a family getting along and they're all in this little boat with their fireworks and stuff. I was like, oh, always wanted something like that. I can I can see wanting the nostalgia. Now, the boat is nothing but a time intensive mess. <laughs> well, when you're a kid, you don't care, you know, yeah. but Unless I had, you're the one who has to clean it. I had totally yeah, good point with you. It would have been, too. <laughs> yeah, it was. With, my uh, dad had a bass boat. It was crappy and I had to clean it all the time. With me, I had my kid reaction. I swear I did. I was like, you know, I had my kid reaction of going to the lake meant doing nothing that I liked at all forever. Like sitting around for all this time while people like ran around in the yard waiting for to go back where I could do the crap I liked doing. Yeah. And see, when I grew up um, off of Lake Ontario in New York, going to the lake was one of the few things that you could do during the entire year. That was awesome because the lake was fresh water with sandy beaches. It was clean. You could take a boat out and, you know, 20 feet away from shore, the water was six feet deep already. And you could you could go out and go canoeing, and it was like fresh air and gorgeous, seventy two degrees. And see, you know, that's awesome. But even when I was a kid, that wouldn't have done it for me either, because it was literally just I was not interested in the outdoors at all, and I was very interested in the stuff that I did at home. And when you dragged me out to that, it was just torture. It was like maybe Chuck, but if if you haven't been, yeah, but you were in Texas, though. Yeah, right? exactly. If you haven't experienced July. In the Great Lakes regions, oh, it looked really you're pretty. You're missing out. Like we were, the gra- yeah. you can run around in your bare feet because the grass is soft and there are no bugs. Well, as an adult, um, I think I would enjoy it. But I had my kid, <laughs> and you know, like reaction of yeah of days of being forced to do crap I don't like. Yeah, I I could see that, and there were those days. However, my family owned a crappy bass boat. You know, like a 14 foot or 16 right. foot bass boat. That would um, be here, old bass boat. Um, in twice in my life that once in indiana and it was really really cool they had a, we had a boat for about a year and change in indiana and going on the lake in indiana is very cool and then we had one in texas and it sucked texas lakes are not fun no they, they know but they uh, it's it's not cool i, I don't think i can express effectively that I now I would enjoy that, but looking. You're saying even <laughs> you, if you it were like that, it was really pretty in the movie. I mean, yeah. it looked really nice, you know. And if that was springtime, like early springtime in Florida, it might actually be kind of nice, other than a little bit of smell, you know. It would it would be really nice, and you know what? I just had no introspection. No, I I I had other things that I did, and I couldn't do those out there, so it would have been torture for me. That's funny, you know, because for me as a kid and even now, because of all that residual, you know, feeling that I have when I look and I see a boat and everyone wearing shorts and nice uh, still air and and not too hot and everything. That's like, oh, you know, my heart leaps for that kind of summer, you know, like charcoal grill and the smell of the water and everything. And it's just like, oh, (laughs) that's awesome. It was like the epitome of happiness, the epitome of happiness (laughs) for me. Nice. Um, But yeah, it's funny because I could really relate to the main character, even in the beginning when his brother is just being like a little brat and, and, you know, just like, and they're sitting in the back and he's like, oh, you have a crush on Jennifer. <laughs> and uh, and he's like, knock it off. And they're like, David, stop provoking your brother. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. And I was like, oh, I, I so know what that's like. 
because you're like not doing anything and the little kid is just like pressing your buttons and laughing about it and the parents are like stop provoking your brother <laughs> remember <laughs> you are the oldest you know which means you have to act right and you have can, to put up with everything and he can do anything he wants you know because he's little and wah, therefore wah. not accountable for anything that's where you turn to him like when nobody's looking to go i will pound you into non-existence it's happening <laughs> as soon as they looking away you you're you're gonna win now don't go to sleep yeah but <laughs> there will come a time i will end you you know and let them live with that for the rest of the afternoon you know <laughs> it'll be on their mind the entire time it's great it's the only revenge you can get as an older sibling no as an older brother see the thing is the difference is if you're an older sister first of all well my, my situation was different because since i am female my dad told me you know, you should be nice to your brother now because it won't be too long before he's bigger than you. See, yeah. my, my dad also had a bigger sister, so he had, you know. Yeah, but, you know, mean is more important than size. Yeah, but size. I can get a stick and Always. whoop the holy crap out of him, but too. But you know what? I wasn't, I wasn't that kind of person, so, no, you're so not. I just thought... You still aren't. Yeah, I, I was just like, well, you know, okay. Well, we've you seen know. your version of evil. It's yeah, not impressive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing was, like, like, my brother was the kind of person who it didn't matter what size he was, he would always go farther than any reasonable person would be willing to go. Um, well, especially at least me. you, yeah. So, I was just like, I'll get you back. If You better watch out, because later today, I will I'll mismatch launch, all your socks. <laughs> I will launch a serious leaflet campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I will say something mean to you. <laughs> Audra trades insults like Sheldon. You know? yeah. <laughs> Double dumbass our on ro- you. Our <laughs> robot will be yours because it is both physically and in design superior. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, despite identifying with him as kind of the uh, the addled older brother in the beginning, I also saw the end as the outcome that I wanted to have. You know, I knew I wouldn't, but it was the outcome I wanted to have in my life. Like the end of that movie where his little brother is still his little brother and he's annoying, but he, he now knows that his little brother is going to actually turn out to be really cool. Wouldn't that be handy? And, and his mom and dad and everybody are like, they're cool with him. They listen to him. You know, he literally has wisdom beyond his years. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean that's that's kind of the best of of both worlds on that. It's you, you get to realize that your family's not all that bad, you know, that you had it pretty good and you do get to go back there. You know, Max works it out for you. Yeah. You know? And that is really just pretty cool. I I I was impressed as as a as a kid. I didn't really realize how deep it was as a kid. I just remembered, "Oh, well, okay, he got returned to his family and and that's how it's supposed to be." I didn't realize that Max you know, with his new humanity was going to work out for him. Well, crap, this is where you need to be. This is where you belong. Yeah. And I'm going to put you back there, even though it's going to be very difficult and dangerous for me. So. Did you see this in the theater when it came out or or on TV later? um, No, I saw it. uh, Probably on video. Yeah, I saw it on video. I mean, at that point we did have a VCR and, and dad was, was big into doing the movies and, we had, in fact, we had two VCRs, one to play it, and one to copy the, the one he was playing. So we had. <laughs> Don't be silly, honey. Nobody has two VCRs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's teasing on that. you. Yeah. 
And, uh, well, you could probably have them now. <laughs> They're all stripy and grainy and crappy. In fact, I think he threw them away years ago. But, um, yeah, we had a four-head VCR and a two-head VCR. So one played, uh-huh. one recorded. It was it was pretty funny. I remember, you know, the people who had two VCRs back then were, like, rich people, you know? We didn't. We were just – it's sort of like we are now. We have a lot of technology, but we ain't rich, you know? It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, like it's you, prioritizing. Yeah, you have the technology that's important to you. We and my dad, cra- yeah, we have crappy furniture, but damn it. You know how it is when <laughs> you're a that. kid, though. We're like, if somebody has a gadget, they're rich. You know, it doesn't matter yeah, anything else. Exactly. And it's kind of funny, because now I understand where he was at with that, you know? Because I'm like, why on earth do we need two VCRs? You know, are we going to put one in somebody's bedroom? And at, at the time, that was my point, you know? It's like, well, we have two VCRs. Why don't you be in my room, you know? <laughs> and uh, it's got, you know, my brother would be like, no, I should be in my room. I'm like, you're a little younger brother. Nobody cares about you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Stay I, in your place. <laughs> silence, mortal. <laughs> you know, and, and then it, I realized that everything we rented, we actually got to keep, mm, you know? And I was yeah. like, oh, wow, this is awesome, you know? And we had this expanding library of, of you know, and at the time you could fit like, we didn't realize that it did they degrade faster this way, but you could fit like six hours of uh, yeah. video on one tape. Yes. And uh, you know what? My, my aunt and uncle who had the two VCRs, they wanted to copy all these movies that they rented too, but they didn't want to do it themselves. So they had their kids do it. My cousins. Right. But what they would do is they would, yeah, they would put three movies on a, a tape and they would never be careful about the tracking or whatever. So, the video quality was horrible. I mean, it was like almost unwatchable even then, you know right. what I mean? Before we even had standards and it was like the tracking was covering up half the screen and the, the audio kept blipping out and well, back um, then they... and the credits would be cut off. Like the, the credits would go for like 10 seconds and be like, yeah. <laughs> you know, back then they had that, uh, and I can't remember what it was called, something vision. It was the copy protection that, that oh, yeah. reduced one of the signals to where yeah. it, it was just enough to play. Oh, but really? with the degradation of copy, it would lose it. Yeah. Oh, and wow. you could you could fix it. You could either buy or build a nice little device. Your dad probably built one, but Yeah. Um because it, it wasn't hard. It was a box. Know? We had a box on top of it. Yeah, and there's a little it. box that would essentially boost that signal back up enough that you could copy it. It wasn't really cuz if you think about it it's analog, so they couldn't really copy protect like they do right, digital stuff right. like DVDs yeah. where they're encrypted. Yeah, right? you just make it about. difficult for the average consumer with two right. VCRs to make it make a good clean copy. I remember or, they started doing that at rental shops like in the early 90s. Yeah. 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 Our first experience with that was Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, it was... He made a copy and it didn't work. He made a copy and it didn't work. What yeah, the hell? Dad being the guy he was. He was a communications electronics guy. I mean, he, he had probably figured just out in like a day and, and a half yeah. and went, oh, yeah, we can fix this. Yeah. <laughs> he came home with a box he built at work. You know? <laughs> now, by the time I was in high school, I was taking those VHS tapes. I would go out and if I wanted to record something for myself... I would go out and I'd spend like whatever allowance money I had and I would buy like a really nice VHS tape, you know, and I'd, um, if it did, was it, you know, you could put electrical tape over that little mm-hmm. hole or whatever to oh, make sure. sure you couldn't write over it. Do the same mm-hmm. thing with scotch tape too. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. yeah. Yeah. So I would record like Letterman or whatever I wanted in, in like the high quality mode. Nice. And I would like very carefully like sit there and like hit pause real fast and, and clip the commercials nicely. Nice. And then I'd put electrical tape over it and I'd make a little label and stuff and I'd have it in my shelf. So you could like pop in Letterman and it was all trimmed and stuff. And nice. I'm like, this is how it should be done. It is. You're right. <laughs> I know. No one You're, else did it that way. It's curation. You're curating your own yeah. collection, and that's awesome. I think I think the experience of curation is an important part of collecting. You know, like 
collecting is often viewed as a passive experience. And I don't think it is, you know, and that curation is the active portion of it where you, you don't just, even if you like, you know, if you have toys and you don't play with them, but if you select them very carefully and you store them in a certain way and you do things, you're that, that is your play. You know, cataloging often, uh, produces feelings of of affection for the items that you're cataloging yeah, and too. pride because yeah. you made a choice about you know how and it you're works and- you're taking care of it and you're maintaining it and and all things and that you know familiarity breeds comfort and comfort breeds affection i know? do remember so, putting all my uh yeah. my baseball card sets into those you know nine page plastic things and flipping through and, and putting them all nice in a binder which and jacks everything. the corners but makes great for display i still uh-huh. do that to all like my marvel cards and stuff like that i yeah. have like folders full of them i gotta tell everybody about that um sean had duplicates and he brought me uh yeah, he, yeah. he long term awesome. audra saw it last week because we were we were trying to figure out exactly who thanos like was that. yeah and uh it, it's awesome because he loaned it to me when i first got into comics and i use it all the time i get it out and i like look up people yeah <laughs> it's because little cards they used to give he's got them all stored yeah. in baseball card storage oh it's awesome you know and and you can flip through and you can look at your collection there and it's all yeah. and i put them in like numerical order and all that stuff and you know and put a like a blank one between the series is and everything so you can see what's going on and i've done that for years and i've never regretted it because i wasn't in it for the monetary value of the cards i wanted to see the art and i wanted to read the back and figure out who the hell they were yeah, you're making your own choice about what that collection how that collection is valuable yeah. to and you that's important you know it really is at least to me it was because yeah it, those those nine card holders tip the corners and it makes them non-mint whatever basically yeah. you know I, I think that what you say about curation i think that's something that a lot of geeks can relate to because oh, yeah. i think oh, that yeah. geeky kids it's part of being passionate about something yeah in fact uh, one of the big kind of questions that's hanging out there and i i, I think some people are like well how are you going to do that and and thinking like you can't but you know is is with digital objects like when media objects become pure digital how do you curate them that way and and you know, I don't. I think you can do that. I mean, Juan and I do that. Juan and I both have digitized our our, our video collections and, and consume them that way in the house. And and we often, uh, for fun, play around with how we store them and how we label them and how we find them and run for fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? But yeah. you know, that's one of the big concerns. And I won't I won't overload this. But that's one of the big concerns with like books, especially since everybody's figured out that a lot of people figured out that uh, reading on the Kindle, reading even on the Kindle app on the iPad is awesome. You know, you can carry more books with you. But there are some questions about it, like how much do you own and how can you, and can you does the rights limitations on it pre- prevent you from curating it in a fashion that gets you the same enjoyment out of it? You, you know? know, I have to admit something and, and maybe it sounds a hair on the Luddite side, but maybe, and maybe it's just cause the generation that I've grown up in, but I have, I, I love Kindle books and I've actually been ordering new books that I want from the Kindle if it's possible or, mm-hmm. or if it's affordable, you know? And, uh, I really like having that cause I can carry it with me and there are all kinds of conveniences, but there's a small part of me that worries that somehow I'll lose it. Yep. That somehow because it's not sitting on my shelf where I can Because you don't really own it. Yeah. You know? And yeah. and I don't and it's not like a copyright issue. It's more of just like a physical yeah. like if if the battery dies in my machine or if if See, something that's not happens. A problem. And that's one of the advantages is that you can always re download them or if you lose it or it breaks. But yeah, the problem but, is you can't you don't have all the other options. Like right. what if you want to loan it to somebody? Like that's always been part of the magic of books is being able to loan them and and you you can't loan 
And I know they're working, they have put some solutions into place to allow you to do things like that. But it's very much like, uh, like you remember the Zune had the thing where you can now share all your Zune music. Like you could do with these horrible DRM, like you could only let's do it so many times or blah, blah, blah. Mm. And it was all this crap. And it was so confusing that it's, that's not how it works, you know? Well, this is kind of a dumb example. But for me, one of the things I like to do is read while I eat. You know, like if I'm on my own, like if I'm eating with you, I'm not going to be reading at the same time. But if I'm, I'm having lunch on my own or something, I really enjoy taking a magazine or, or a print publication, putting it down on the table and eating while I kind of flip through it. And I tend to get food crumbs and, and water and stuff and, and drips on it. I don't read on my iPad while I'm eating. I do. I totally I do. just, I can't, like, I can't hold a sandwich and then wipe my finger across the glass it's just it it's like it freaks me out it's too expensive you know i'm like eh. I can yeah do it. <laughs> we're kind of divided right down the middle in our place because shannon is severely dyslexic and she can use the the kindle she's got the one with the keyboard and everything like that but nice. it's it's got the liquid display and all that stuff but she can use it to basically fix her dyslexia and she can burn through books that's right? awesome Hell yeah. But so, is that like changing the, the font well, size? Yeah, the or? font size and the spacing and, and cool. how it tracks and all that kind of stuff. So basically, uh, she's the type of dyslexic where your eyes, you can read a sentence and then your eyes don't track it. And you return and read that same sentence again and read that same sentence again and read that same sentence. So right. you, you get stuck in a loop, right? And you don't have, you read really slow. You have awesome comprehension because you've read the same damn thing, you know, <laughs> right. 10 times, but you, you don't read. Well, the Kindle can force you by the type style, the, you know, the spacing and how much you can fit on a page to move forward. Uh, because the distance is so great that you can see where you're going. Now you pay, you flip, you know, you forward a lot, but you, you read much faster. And, uh, so she doesn't read normal books really anymore. So she can get it on the Kindle. She will. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like book 1.0. You know, I I like the smell of musk on the pages. I like the way it flips. I oh, like the, the smell is unbeatable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can't beat that. It, it smells like old book, especially if it's a book that I've read before, you know, or, or something that I remember from my childhood or something. Like I read, I have the same battered ass copy of On a Pale Horse that I did when I was 15. <laughs> I lost mine. I had to get another one. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to get a new um uh with a tangled skein. Oh, the, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The third one. Uh. Uh, or for no a third one and uh, I I read that same thing and it still smells like the used bookstore I got it from I know exactly which was what probably you that mean. store in Denton yeah it is it's the the store in Denton uh, <laughs> the one that's like an entire warehouse facility full and you got yeah. all these kind of nooks and levels and Ooh, all that kind of stuff there. it's yeah. super awesome you guys would love it indeed it's one of the large I think it is the largest used bookstore in Texas really yeah it's huge McMurtry's isn't up in Archer City think so anyway huh. or at least in north texas I, they had it on the door for a while that it was you know how big it was and it was the largest and whatever huh. anyway um maybe i haven't been there in like 10 years yeah, we need so. to check that out though but it's super cool anyway uh but yeah it still smells like that and it's still it, you know it reminds you of home you know kind of so i i always appreciate that's that awesome better. but then again shannon is now out reading me with her her reader. I know. fell into it. I bought I bought class books that were not, you know, I bought you know, text that I was reading for class because yeah, it, I see textbooks are awesome. I would love <laughs> to have textbooks on there. Well, they and, they're so freaking heavy, you know. Yeah, and, and su- surprisingly few textbooks, but they are like, you know, obviously when they use, you know, published books, you know what I'm saying? 
versus you know pure textbook. Right. They, they were you can buy those books and and they were cheaper a lot of times too and I could carry them all with me and I could make notes on. But uh, then I just sort of fell into it. You know, like there were things that I wanted to read that I came across and I'd pick them up because they're a little cheaper because I'd have them with me. You know, and the next thing you know, I have like twenty five of them. And I'm like, oh crap! I have yeah. I have five hundred dollars worth of of books. How'd that happen? You know, yeah. we need to get you an actual Kindle so you can Audra, so you can. They're super cool. Read while you. They're super you know. cool. Yeah. 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 I just, I, I worry about the, the iPad because I love reading on it, but I just, I can't do the eating and reading thing with it. It's class. You can actually do quite a bit. I mean, if you get a little smudge on it, it comes off. And if you yeah. get, I mean, I mean, mine is opaque most of the time, <laughs> Yeah, you know, because it happens. You know, um, when we were talking about uh, curating, you know, and, and like me with my little like tape and the, the VHS tape and putting the little scotch tape over the thing. Um I know it's really popular and easy and and cliche to say, well, you know, people who grow up in this generation will never know this kind of thing because they always had it easy. And, you know, they grew up with computers and Internet, so they don't know anything. Um, And and I don't want it to sound like that. And you grew up with electricity. Yeah, I know. And I I don't want it to sound like that. But but it occurs to me that when you... um, When you really wanted to watch something on TV and have your own copy of it, and it was coming on and you had to find out, you had to check the schedule in print. You know, you had to find a newspaper <laughs> yeah. or, or maybe a TV guide off the shelf or something. Uh, if you could afford to buy that separately, which I couldn't, you know. <laughs> right. So you find the newspaper and you look it up and then you make a note for yourself of when it's going to be on. You buy the tape in advance. You know, you have to go out and purchase the tape and unpackage it and everything. Get it ready in your VCR. And then you sit there and... um you know, you have to actually pause and cut the commercials yourself, you know? I mean, I know it's it's not really like physically hard work or anything, but there's something about spending the time to actually do that. And when you're done, it's like, it's yours and you've really paid attention to it. And you've really, you've watched that thing. You've watched it hard, you know, because you, you work so hard to put yeah. it to, or whether it's music, you know, you made a mixtape or whatever. And, uh, Sometimes uh, my students will ask me, how do you remember things so well? I've seen it 50,000 times. Well, I, I, think that, <laughs> I think that part of it is that, you know, but I think own it. another it part yours. of it, yeah, is that you yeah. mentally own it. Like, you know, when I read something, if it's, if it matters to me, I really read it. I, I think about, about it, that. you know, I circle things in it and I write and I make notes and I, I think about it in my life and how it applies to different things I've uh, you know what I mean? Like you yes. just make little connections. No, I and, totally know what you mean. And that's how you remember. You make it. I, I mean, I'm not saying that if you have trouble retaining information, it's because you don't try or something. It, it's not that simple. It's just not that important to you, you know? Right. And you have to kind of decide. You have to. And I'm I'm sure there's more to it. You know, I know that maybe some people have trouble remembering that, that they can't help or whatever. But, you know, if you can kind of. I think that every person is capable of giving it a little bit of extra significance and slowing down a little bit and really just taking your time with something if you can. You know what I mean? And I, I, I think that that's something that maybe we don't always do anymore because we expect everything to be fast all the time. And even I do. And sometimes I forget like when you actually you actually used to have to sit there and pay attention and do everything in real time. And we see that now as just a, a blanket disadvantage, but it might not always be. What was kind of funny is 
that's kind of one of the things that struck me about the the movie is I'm watching this spaceship fly around and everything. No cell phones, no camera phones, <laughs> no internet. <laughs> no, I mean they could conceivably contain this situation. <laughs> yeah, I mean they really yeah, could. Yeah, I mean I unless mean, someone happened to be standing outside with a a camera, like a 35 millimeter camera. Or yeah, something. what are the odds? Then, yeah, know? what are the odds? What are the odds they would? Snap yeah, but a even then, you know, they can control the the. It never reaches critical mass, or at least it doesn't have to. You could. The world is so much more connected. I thought now. that too, and they're like, we can keep this a contained situation, and I'm like, it's been How seen in like four cities, and but like <laughs> they. Yeah, I mean, but. Then it was still easier, you know, swamp gas from a weather balloon, you know, they don't have like video of it, you know, they, they, from 10,000 angles and everywhere. And you can't contain that kind of critical mass. You could back then in 86. Yeah, you could probably manage it. You know, two concepts that, that come into play when you're studying digital communications that totally apply to this one is the technology is almost always an accelerator. It doesn't necessarily make things it, things don't happen differently. Yeah, but it's enough gas on the fire. They <laughs> just happen much faster. Yeah. The other thing is that, and this is the funny part, is that it's almost the opposite, is that more of the same thing, more of the same is not always the same. Like more of the same is just more of the same until it crosses a particular line and yeah, there is something entirely different. Yeah, there's you know? a threshold that, that happens. And then yeah. once you cross over that, it now becomes... Something very different and often more dangerous in, in some it's Just very different. You know, yeah. and, and every, it's like every kind of thing is powerful and dangerous at the same time, you yeah. know? Yeah, super cool. And it's it's like that, you know, and you realize that, that when this was filmed, and that was the thing that was striking me as I was watching it this week, you know, because we have it on DVD. And uh, it was it was kind of funny because you're, you're watching this and I'm like, wow. You know, the world really wasn't that much different, but was wildly different as far as some of the communications that can go and some of the things that they do and the procedures that they follow here were absolutely what you would do in 1986. <laughs> I did think about how, you know, the way it's funny. I They, they use NASA as sort of like a generic cool thing, you know, holder. Yeah. Like they just back then it was. Well, and that's what I was going to say is it's kind of funny. Do you notice how not only does reality advance, but when you have certain kind of fantasy stories, the fantasy stories, the lore about them, even though it's all made up, sort of develops over time. And there's sort of a standard. And if you're going to be different than that, you have to explain it. You know what I mean? And and it's sort of like back. Oh yeah, like like the sci-fi tropes we were yeah. talking about the other night. Oh yeah, well, Every, everything builds on what came before, and there's an expectation among the audience that they will be aware of those those I, tropes. I was just thinking how much some of those had developed in, since the movie came out. You know, in 25 years, 26 years since the movie came out, like now you couldn't say NASA would hide this spaceship and it would be fine. You think there's not near enough security for that? There's not enough. <laughs> I and, love the comment you made about they they like threw the tarp over it. That was awesome. Put it on a truck. It's, it's still a, floating. You can see half of it. There's they nothing put, under <laughs> it. They put like a car cover over the top of it. Put a tarp over it. Nobody will notice. Some bungee cords. You know. People are sheep. Took it down the highway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's funny. You could have like just put a post under it. You know, even, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretend and, and like nobody, a little stick that's holding yeah, it up. You know, whatever. What is it? Weather like, balloon. Well, yeah. that's kind of weird, but okay. Yeah. You know, whereas, yeah, but anyway, I. it's funny how much those things have developed. And it's not true. I mean, theoretically, NASA could have plenty of security to do something like that. You know, the reason I think they don't is because stories have happened for so many years 
where that's not the case and you need some other government organization. I'm like, that should be at Area 51. What the hell do I know? That's BS. It's all, <laughs> that's all made up crap, you know? But I actually... It's pop culture knowledge. Yeah. It is, but it's developed. The military would have surely shooting that thing down, you know? They would've, yeah, I would have never... I swear, I'd never thought about how that culture like takes on a life and develops just like real technology over time and the expectations of it and everything. That's really fascinating. I never thought you about that. You know what that. we need to do be, to, to be believable? We need black helicopters. That's all we're going to need. Guys in suits and black helicopters. Anybody yeah. will let us do whatever we want. You know? I like that when they get the helicopters surrounding the, the spaceship when the kids don't like... Don't let it take off. He's how? like taking I mean, a leak. <laughs> what are you going to do? Don't let them leave. <laughs> what, what do you think they're going to do are about you gonna it? Shoot it? You're going to shoot at the kid? I mean, Or I'll say stop again. You know, I... <laughs> What are you, you going to do? You know, it's bulletproof. It can move faster than anything on the planet. You know, it can make maneuvers. You aren't even capable of that? tracking. Like, can we cut it open with a torch? No. Okay. Well, it's impregnable. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else we can do. I mean, now, you know, uh, you know, I, I like when he said it's seamless and you could see all these lines like separating <laughs> the segments. <laughs> In like, I'm like, you know, those are seams, right? <laughs> in Captain America, you know, how the event, you know, the, the shield uses lasers to cut into the ice when you could just chip the ice away with a pick, you know, but they use lasers to cut into the ice to get into the Captain America ship, you know, Why? we think it's cooler, you know? Yeah. Where, whereas, you know, here they're like with the cutting torch, you're like, really? Yeah. <laughs> but again, modern. Was, I would not the, have thought that in 86. What would you rather do? No. Get in a parka and go out with a pick or just sit in your comfortable chair and like shoot a laser? And... Well, I'm saying when you develop a, <laughs> a, a, a movie like that, yeah, you expect... Yeah. Oh, funny. Did you? I was watching and at the beginning, they're like, music by Alan Silvestri. And I'm like, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I'm like, Music for the huge, Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> and a, like a million other things. Yeah, and a whole bunch of other crap. Yeah. You yeah, know? it's weird when you see some of that stuff back in the day too. Like the strangest one ever for me was like when uh, this happened a couple of years ago. I was watching Lady Hawk, and you realize that Alan Parsons did the music for it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we'll call it the Alan Parsons Project. You know, and you're like, oh, ooh. you know, <laughs> that's why that sounded like that. <laughs> I got a gun back in my room. We can we can go to it right now. We can do it together. Right now, you know. <laughs> I remember thinking how cool this was when I was a kid, the music and, and the music was already outdated by the time I saw it. But even then I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, he's in this like high tech facility and he's like riding in this little male robot and, you know, music videos. And I, I just totally loved it. Yeah. The director directed Grease, <laughs> which, which makes sense, you know, that it would be kind of like upbeat and, yeah. and 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 music gets heavily used in it you, and know? you know that beach boys tune always stuck with me positively because of that you know it wasn't until i was in high school and i saw the beach boys on tv doing a reunion concert and they sounded oh, oh, so no. bad i and, heard them in wichita falls yeah Whoa. And, and that's kind of when it died down for me but basically <sighs> the whole time i was a kid i thought that that song was awesome because i always thought about this movie yeah yeah I could see that. I have I have a great love for like some of the old Motown stuff because I heard it on Meet the Raisins. I'm not the California even, Raisins? Yeah. Cool. They did a claymation special. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. A whole bunch of yeah. stuff. I totally remember no, that. No, I had the little uh, figurine that played uh-huh. the sax. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can still sing to Ain't Too Proud to Beg because, I, because of, yeah. of the California Raisins musical. It was great. That's a good song. Is that Sam and Dave? No, that's not Sam and Dave. I have no idea who it is. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you, I can sing the songs. I can recognize them. I have no idea who sang them. I, the Raisins sing them. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> people it's will bad. people will be more willing to accept black music in America if we make them look like tiny fruits. <laughs> yeah. I just you know, and I I had no idea about all that stuff. And then they they you know like uh, Mick Broccoli was you know Mick Jagger with the the you know uh, rock you know, invasion. And, I need to go back and look at that because I didn't really get those references probably when I was a kid. I didn't either. I just I thought just, they were cool you know, because they wore sunglasses and played. My horns. mom was telling me it's like okay, this is what it is, and this is what they're doing. You know, like they they were the the awesomeness as far as I was concerned as a kid. I was like, yeah, because I was right at that timeline. Sort of like Flight of the Navigator hit you. You know, you were right at that age. Because uh, yeah, in eighty yeah in eighty six you were right around the the same age as. Davey, weren't you? Uh, no, no, he's older than me. <laughs> he's older than he's older than me. Well, I didn't see this movie till like eighty nine or something. Oh, okay. Um, and when I saw it, I was eight or nine years old. So, right. I mean, yeah, no, the guy who plays David is, I I think now he's like in his early forties. Yeah. So he's like ten years older than me. Yeah, I was I was ten or no, I was eleven when I saw it because we saw it. In <laughs> yeah, I was eleven. So I was it it was. It's kind of cool. Like he's right there. he actually um, he acted in a couple of things, but he only acted for a couple of years. He got out of acting when he was like fourteen years old, and never went back, and just kind of led a normal life after that. Good for him. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I was like, eh, why not? <laughs> oh, it was funny though. I, I mean, I swear that if you look carefully, David at the beginning of the movie, and then about twenty minutes before the end, there's this scene where he's back on the ship, and it looks like his hair has changed a little. And if you look closely, stunt Davy. No, if oh. if you look closely, you can see that his face has begun to elongate a little bit, and he's got that little shadow mustache that boys get yeah, when they're about fourteen. He's no longer cherubish. Uh huh. Some of the parts Oops. of the movie. And I wouldn't be surprised if they dubbed over his voice in the last. They hit a girl's section. <laughs> well, I mean, he was. That's awesome. I want to say he was like fourteen when oh, that he's movie right came on the out. Verge. So he was right out like thirteen, fourteen when they were filming. Hitting puberty, and he, and he was playing a twelve-year-old. Yeah, and. And at, but I swear you can notice it if you look at the end of the movie. You can see his oh, face like right. like I... slimming and and all that stuff that happens. And I was like, holy crap! I mean, if a movie takes a year to make or nine months to shoot or whatever, that's enough time at that age to actually see a difference. Yeah, it wasn't for me. I I didn't hit it till sixteen, and my voice. I'm thirty five. My voice is still cracking. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened to Justin Bieber because, you know. I always thought that maybe he was lying about his age or something, but maybe he wasn't. Maybe he just was late. And I was late. I grew four inches between my junior and senior year. They're like feeding him wow. estrogen to keep yeah. the gravy train rolling. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was... about your voice, though? No, my voice didn't change until I was about 15, 16. Really? So, yeah. No, I thought I, it usually changes I sounded around 14. Like, for... I, I sounded like I should be on stage with my five brothers uh, singing until I, was, <laughs> until I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. Yeah, and then it was all. Crack. I was trying to imagine you with an afro. Oh man, it was it was cracky for for about the about a year and change, real bad. Yeah, and now it's it never went away though. Like when I'm excited or I start talking fast, I'll I'll it'll start cracking, you know, or for for no apparent reason, it'll just go high and then go right back down. I have no idea why it does that. It doesn't sound like puberty cracking. Yeah, but it is. it does to me because I was super sensitive to it. I went oh. through a year where I wouldn't talk because I knew it wouldn't come out right. Aww. It was during Aww. my black trench coat. The start of my black trench coat years. I'll just draw away from this, this voice problem with all kinds of other things. So I started growing my hair out, wearing my jacket long, you know, everything, because I was just terrified of talking. 
bad. Yeah, it's it's true. Like at that age, you you try to hide everything. You know, you grow your hair out long. You you like get it in front of your face. You know, yeah. oh, long yeah. coat, long clothes. No one can see your body. Yeah. You know, no one can see your eyes. Exactly. No one can see your intentions. No Just one. Can, they can't make fun of you. <laughs> they can't see you. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. We got to wrap up, Audrey. Do you have any kind of final thoughts about this? Uh, oh yeah, experience? I'm just I'm really glad that we talked about this movie because I think it's been a while since. I mean, it's 26 years old this summer, and uh, it had been a long time since I had seen it. And I think it's kind of cool that it was sort of something we hadn't brought up in GWC before. Uh, definitely a really super important movie for me as a kid, just because I felt like I really identified with the main character a lot. Um, and, and he, he also had this kind of life, even though he had to go through a lot of difficult stuff, he had the kind of life that I wanted. I could identify with him in some ways and in other ways he represented what I wanted, which was, you know, kind of a, a stable family that would have a positive future and who lived in a warm place. (laughs) (laughs) And required you to have that positive future. That's yeah, nice. Yeah. That is nice. But but really, I mean, it was just attractive in so many ways. And I, I think it's really funny in hindsight that I didn't know how geeky I was growing up because I love this kind of stuff all the time. I mean, spaceships, robots, aliens, you know, yeah. super nerdy. And I never knew it. And and it makes me so proud <laughs> to look back and be like, yeah, <laughs> I knew what was good even back then. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. John? And- I saw this when I was a kid too, and I appreciated the hell out of it, and, and it was super cool. And I would recommend it even to to people now. It's a, it's a little dated, but it holds up super good. I can attest. This yeah. was my first viewing, and I thought it was fun. I and had a great time. It, it holds up super good. It's it's worth showing, and it's worth showing to children. Oh hell yeah! For that sense of wonder. Oh definitely, yeah, I would know? say it's it's appropriate for any age. I yeah. think. I think Squeak totally. will be seeing this in a couple of years and and appreciate it. You know. Uh, although she seems to be leaning towards pink dragons and swords at the moment, but still that's, you can't know, go too far wrong with that. You can't really. Uh, so that's, that's super cool. And I enjoyed it as a kid. I'm sure kids today can still relate. So it's cool. Check it out. Uh, I really got a kick out of it. Thank you for introducing me to this. Uh, and yeah, it, I'm so it, glad you saw it. I, I still, I didn't realize you had never seen it. It was fun to get to watch it together. Um, I, I am actually up next week. And, uh, yeah, I think we actually watched it once a long time back, but it's going to be a little different approach to it. I I have asked that we watch war games. Yeah. And we'll, we'll focus on how the movie affected you and and your thoughts on it. And it'll be cool. And, uh, we need to pass on too that the week after that, we're going to be talking about hero in the crown. Right. Uh, Robin McKinley. And, uh, it's, it's. Uh, it was a 1984 Newbery Newberry Award winner, not uh, nominated, but award winner. And uh, there's only can, one a year, so yeah, it's a big deal. So, I mean, yeah. It's, it's kind of a big deal. And uh, she, it's you can find it almost everywhere now. Go to your used bookstore, and the the young adult or a, 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 I always call it young adult. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, what it's that's actually, yeah, yeah. yeah, young adult uh, uh, literature. That's where it'll be. Uh, it's a quick read and, and super easy to find. So uh, yeah, that one that one will be mine. And just a, a quick reminder uh, for movie releases, May 18th is the opening of Battleship. And uh, Men in Black 3 opens the week after on May 25th. So, nice. Yeah. Well, we'll be back next week. Have a good one. 
On behalf of everyone here at GWC, thanks for listening. And thanks to all who make GWC possible, including producers Soleil, form moderators Badgerspoon, Pike, and Frackentalos, GWC Book Club Maven, Casilda, and tech guru Juan Drew. Remember, if you'd like to share your opinions with the GWC crew and listeners, you can call us anytime at 214-296-9229, extension 701. You can also contact us via galacticwatercooler.com, our website and blog. But you should really spend some time over on the GWC forum. GWCers really are the friendliest people on sci-fi. And we're always re-watching a group reading something fun. You might even find a GWC meetup somewhere near you. GWC is funded by advertising and by listeners like you. For information on how you can donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. Finally, special thanks to Ferris and his friends Encoder and Jim Minadeo for GWC's sweet theme music. For more Encoder, visit them at myspace.com slash Encoder.